everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Casual Gaming Society. I am one of, I am player two, I'm sorry, player one of two players here. Uh, my name is John. John, how are you? Uh, with me this week, I am stealing so much from Ben right now, just even by <laughs> the, holy crap. Mr. Avery, if you're out there and you're listening, just know that your influence is far and wide and greater than I could even imagine. Uh, that being said, uh, with me, uh, my player two is Dave Clements. This po- I think this podcast has been a long time coming. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've, we've been talking about doing something together for a while. Yeah. So I'm the tales to your Sonic then, right? Uh, maybe, or maybe you're the, you're the Lennon to my McCartney. Well, I'm dead. That's sad. Are you implying something? No, I I didn't really take that into account when I made the analogy. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dave. Uh, and this is the brand new segment of Geek Devotions they've been hinting at for a while. Uh, that's going to be replacing Primitive Rhythm Machine. Um, and we want to talk about gaming. And we figured, hey, what's the best place to start with this other than introducing ourselves from the perspective from the perspective of gaming so let's do that dave why don't you go first because people have been listening to me so far yeah uh i yeah because i'm kind of i'm new to the whole geek devotions thing for the most part i don't think i've ever been on any other shows not for a lack of trying we tried to get you on the bottom shelf uh i know in, in june to talk about the mortal Kombat movies it's true. Uh, but yeah, just I'll just kind of jump in and give kind of an introduction of who I am. Um, I'm actually a longtime podcaster. I've been going for about 10 years now. I started with a show called Geek This, which um, kind of inspired this. This is kind of what started Casual Gamer Society. Um, Josh, Josh, geez, I need to go take a nap. John and I, uh, we've talked a little bit about, you know, doing that show and i was like i don't i don't want to do it anymore so we kind of pivoted and we agreed that doing a show about gaming would be something different and something a little bit more fresh for myself and for john and we call it casual gamer society because we're not pro gamers we just enjoy games and i'm terrible at finishing games so uh yeah yeah this is gonna be fun uh and the, the general concept thus far is we're going to talk about the spectrum of games. We're going to talk about video games, probably predominantly. We're going to talk about tabletop role-playing games, because John and I are both involved with a Dungeons & Dragons podcast you may have heard of, playing games with strangers. And if they've heard anything touch... that I've done, if they've heard <laughs> anything I've done on Geek Devotions, they've heard me mention it. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. You should go listen to it. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about board games because uh, that is also classified as gaming. So uh, now that I've kind of hogged that five minutes of your life, um, boy, I think the first time I was introduced to video games was mm, probably the early 90s with uh, my stepmom's Nintendo Entertainment System with, you know, classic Super Mario Brothers. I think that's where gaming started, I think. And you're a little bit older than me, John. Not not a lot. Th- thanks for pointing it out, Dave. That's that that, w- that was amazing of you. 
of you do? You're like a Commodore 64 guy. Um, uh, I, um, video games actually have been kind of a part of my, part of my life as far back as I remember. Um, uh, the earliest in-home console I can remember is an Atari 2600 that my parents had. Um, so I came in the generation before you, um, um, but I mean, even outside of that, you know, I remember walking through places that like you would see a stand up arcade cabinet and I would be about that too. So I, I, yeah. you know, I, I can't really say I've been, I, I've been into video games since because I just, it, since before I started retaining memories, I guess <laughs> I don't, right. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, some, some of my earliest memories is uh, playing the original pole position on, uh, the 2600 and mm-hmm. there, I, and specific sessions like where I just could get the, get, get the car going on almost an infinite loop around the track <laughs> because I just adjusted to it, you know, the terrible Pac-Man ports and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's, I think that's partly what's driven my opinion of uh, content over graphics because yeah. I could, I can guarantee you, man, if you wanted graphics, the Atari was not the way you wanted to go. Would you say that kind of with what you're saying, as far as, you know, content over graphics, would, would you say you lean more toward like retro gaming or do you like the modern stuff better or equal or how does that sit with you? So with, with gaming for me, I approach it the same way that I approach music if it's good, it's good. It stands on its own. You know, I, I don't have one specific thing that I cling to. There are older games that I enjoy. Uh, there are newer games that I enjoy. Um, you know, I, I, I can remember, I can remember a couple of years ago, I used to go to this one church where there's this one kid, and, you know, if it was anything that was older than five years, like he, it's just like, ugh, that song's old. It's <laughs> not good anymore. And it's just like, no, music is good because it's good, not because it's got an expiration date on it. Right. Or, and it's the same thing with video games. Games are good because they're good, not because there's an expiration date. I can say at a certain point, um, you know, it, it, they they don't. I have a hard time getting into them. Like if I was to go back and play some. 2600 games now i don't think i would have as much fun with them as i did at the time mm-hmm. mostly because i found that games that are a little bit more story driven are my jam um but i can also say that i have never owned a nintendo system that didn't have the original version of the legend of zelda on it either right um because let me tell you something that game when it came out <laughs> was life-changing for me like I had the really? original, yeah, I had the original golden cartridge for it. Um, you know, here I was in kindergarten and I was, when I was walking to school, I'd have the instruction booklet in my backpack and I just sit there and stare at it and read it on repeat <laughs> over and over again. So wild. Yeah, dude, the, the, the original legend of Zelda, but at the time it was so groundbreaking because it, what it, I mean, as far as I know, it was the original open world game. Yeah, you could, I, that you could, sounds right. You could go to any level you wanted at any given moment um, if you knew how to get there. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, it, it was just such a thing. It, you you 
legitimately got thrown into this world and you a basic concept of what they wanted you to do and go. Yeah. And it wasn't and it wasn't based on the idea of, okay, let's see who who can set a high score. You know, Mm -hmm. it was let your imagination go. And so I think that I despite the fact that I've been a gamer all my existence, I think I think the original Legend of Zelda was the point where gaming really got its hooks on me and it it kind of showed me what a well thought out video game can do with your imagination. Okay. Interesting. Did you, did you have a point like that in your own gamer development? Uh I don't I can't say for sure that I did. I remember so it's funny because it's like looking back on it, I feel I feel like I've played just about every console um, that's existed, you know, to to some degree. Um, I remember even though like we had an NES at home because it was my stepmom's and, you know, so I could play that pretty much whenever I remember going to the back of the store that my grandpa owned, and it was basically the warehouse part of the store. And way in the back, like behind boxes, almost like this hidden wall, he had um, a 2600. And like, I remember just playing that all the time. And I think it's kind of the amalgamation of not so much the story, but how I felt playing. Um, Really just kind of being sucked into these imaginary worlds, whether it's, you know, being a dot playing Pong, because that was a big thing that my brother and I would play or playing pitfall or, you know, being on the NES and playing super Mario brothers and some other games. I, I I think it was just the immersion for me. It wasn't even about storytelling, but I think that that moment really came when I played super Mario brothers three for the first time that instantly became like the, it's kind of my legend of Zelda, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was always more art driven for me than it ever was story. Like I, you know, I don't the story for for Zelda. It's like okay, you save a princess. With Mario, it was you save a princess. Uh, there's probably other stuff along the way, but none of that ever really mattered to me. I think that's changing now. Man, I loved Super Mario Brothers three. That uh, I remember when that that game first came out and uh, like. Do you remember the movie The Wizard? I think is what it's called. It had Fred Savage in it. Yeah, vaguely. Like I've seen it once or twice, but yeah, that was like the game in that movie. Right. That was like the big game. I think that was like the big reveal in the game. Like actually, the more I think about it, it's like The Wizard was like the biggest commercial for the NES, if I remember. Because like the yeah. the big bad in the game is just like, oh, he plays with the power glove, and it's just like. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play with a power glove, by the way? I don't think I ever did. I always wanted to. I had one as a kid. They were hot trash. Like they were just. Yeah, they were like garbage and a half. They and I think that was where I where I learned my mistrust of uh, of uh, Nintendo uh, gimmickry from an early age, because I had that and I had the power pad, which was which was that uh, the one you ran on. Yeah, you know, the one yeah. that you quote ran on. Yeah, playing track and field. Yeah, it was it was more uh, it was the one that you got down on hands and knees and just slapped mm-hmm. the uh, pad as right. fast as you could with your hands. 
Yeah, it was more. It was more. A, it was more a drumming thing than it was a run in place <laughs> situation. Right. Right. Yeah. Man, I gaming is such a, a like. I feel like I like you. Like I have memories from before I remember that I have memories mm-hmm. because I've played so many systems throughout the years. Um. I guess I do want to kind of answer my own question as far as, you know, preference of, you know, retro, retro gaming, modern, modern gaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I find myself leaning much more toward the kind of the modern era of gaming. And it's not because of graphics or anything like that. I I just find a lot of the indie games that are coming out much more interesting because they really weren't available back in the day, but I do mm-hmm. have heavy nostalgia for some retro games because I think I told you it was a few weeks ago. Um, there's a brand new Ninja Turtles. Well, it was like a remake. Shredder's Revenge. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've loved playing it because I love beat em ups. That's what my brother and I played a lot uh-huh. of because uh-huh. it was just kind of the easy thing for more than one person to play. And you and I were talking on Discord you're like, I think you sold me on not wanting to play it. Yeah, well, because it's like, OK, so if, if you go back in the 80s and you, you're, you're looking at, you know, grade school me. Yeah, beat em ups were kind of my jam when I was in an arcade setting. Mm-hmm. And it, they're good for social games, but I that that's not really my gaming style now. So sitting on the couch playing a button masher is kind of. It's like watching a Saw movie by yourself. It's it says something about you that I'm not sure I'm ready to make that statement. <laughs> like really sad, <laughs> really sad, little worried. Oh, that's me because that's <sighs> well, we figured out what kind of a gamer I am. I'm a, I'm a, I, I'm a watch Saw by myself kind of gamer. No, no, that's, I I, I know I your situation. You are you are an overworked father who gets his five minutes in when he can when it when it comes to gaming so that's that's true so uh, but yeah yeah i i have a fondness for retro games but i do kind of get to a point where like right now like nintendo has their nintendo switch online um subscription and we have it and there's a bunch of nes and i don't remember if there's i think there's some super nes i can't even remember but they're releasing games as part of the subscription Mm -hmm. and there are literally like five or six games out of all of them that i will go back and play you know if i'm getting ready to go to bed i take my switch with me you know i'm watching i'm playing original super mario brothers super mario brothers 3 uh dr mario and maybe one or two others but like that's kind of as retro as i get Mm -hmm. and I haven't played like a PS one or two or three game in ages. Hmm. If you consider that retro, I don't know. Well, I mean, any, anything's really retro if it's not the current gen. I mean, if you really want to think about it, yes, except for true. maybe the PS four, cause the, the PS four, I don't remember which Xbox, Xbox, the X bone gen. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, that, yeah. that, that, that I think is still, quasi current gen as well but i mean like ps3 era 360 i think that's the beginning of where the retro lines at yeah um well and that and that that you know the the discussion of the consoles there 
I think is lead into another great introductory question. Like what, what system, and, and cause I know that you've hit a lot of systems. I've played a few, played through a few systems myself. Which system do you think was your favorite? I won't say best, but what was your favorite video game system as far as like video games, video games that really hit with you? That's tough. It's got to be a tie between the Nintendo 64 and the GameCube. Those were very, um, I wouldn't even say nostalgic, but like, I think that was also when gaming was starting to to change. We're getting more into like the, the 3D worlds and things like that. Um, I spent a lot of years playing those two systems. Mm. Yeah, for me, for me, it, it was actually the SNES was the was the beginning of the or not even the beginning. I mean, that was. Because the the leap from the eight bit systems to the sixteen bit systems was massive. I mean, if you if you were to if you were there to see it when it happened, yeah, um, it it was mind blowing. Like I, I rem- like because I I remember that that Christmas you either got a SNES or you got a Sega Genesis, and I got a Sega Genesis. And I I, <laughs> I remember I remember the first time I heard someone turn on their Genesis with. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog in it because that was the pack-in game and you heard you heard them go Sega when they turned that on like just the fact that they had the audio sampling was mind-blowing because it's mm-hmm. just like those are real voices it's not just some MIDI that someone put in there uh, so it, it was a big deal but like with the SNES though I mean when Nintendo put out their NES classic and SNES classic like NES classic. I was kind of into the idea, bef- um, just again because it had the original Legend of Zelda, right? But with with the SNES, I think that was where I learned, developed my appreciation for uh, video game role playing games because that had stuff like the Chrono Triggers and Final Fantasy before it made its leap with Final Fantasy VII over to the Sony consoles instead. Okay. Um, it's also where you would you know some rare legendary Nintendo uh, RPGs like uh, Super Mario RPG. And, uh, and of course, you know, in the same breath, you got to talk about earthbound. You know, it's funny. I've not played any of those. Never. Were were you much of an RPG player though, back in the day though? No. And I, I'm still really not. I mean, like tabletop role-playing games. Yes. But video game role-playing mm-hmm. games, not really. Like, yeah, they, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it for me was the combat mm-hmm. systems. Like I hated the the turn by turn thing. It drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. And so I've never really tried since then. I, I, I would recommend uh, more of a ARPG system okay. for you because they play out a little bit like beat em ups with their with their uh, battle system, like Rogue Galaxy on the PlayStation 3 was great for that that was my first experience in an arpg um, but even outside of the rpgs uh with the with the super nintendo you had stuff like super mario world the pack-in title for that that yeah. game that game was legendary uh for mm-hmm. me yeah and as far as platformers go i think that was where the 2d platformer hit its uh pinnacle was on yes. super mario world um, and that was that was the biggest reason why I got a 3DS was be, just because I wanted a way to play Super Mario World on the mm-hmm. go because that yeah. game that's that that's like the ultimate chill game that and the uh, 
and do- the first Donkey Kong Country, but that was mostly because I wanted to sit in the water levels and just listen to the <laughs> background music on that because <laughs> that background music for the water levels in Donkey Kong Country was primo stuff. Yeah, I actually it was. It's really funny. I was so I've really been getting into like these YouTube channels where they're doing like, you know, they're flipping games and, you know, reselling and stuff like that. And the guy I was watching last night, uh, he's he got like a collection of Donkey Kong SNES games. Mm -hmm. And I looked at my wife and I was like, I don't like any of the Donkey Kong Country games. I don't know why. I just I think they just made me mad too many times. And I was like, nope, I'm out. I'm done. Forget this game. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I played it every once in a while with my brother. Well, and that could possibly be part of the problem. Uh, he was not a very good Diddy. I'll just say that. Now, but, when you say when you say brother, which which one? Uh, this would be Rick, my immediately okay. younger. Okay, I have to ask. I know you know a couple of my brothers. Yeah, yeah. you 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 come from you come from a large family. Yeah, my my gaming is pro- Yeah, I think usually most of my you know multiplayer gaming is done uh, with Rick. He was kind of my wingman growing up with video games. Yeah, I didn't really have a person to have a quote wingman with. Uh, and I think that's that's uh, the other reason why I'm very much a uh, campaign gamer rather than an online gamer, too, is because, uh, you know, uh, amongst all my friends, I was the one who was like really into the video gaming. Everybody else wanted to be outside playing basketball or something. And me, I'm just like, gross. I've I've got I've got <laughs> I've got. Street Fighter 2 on my SNES. You guys want to play that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of, that and was of course, that was me at my mom's house. I mean, and of course nobody ever wanted to play that, so um yeah. So, and that might be that might have lent itself into my diversion away from the beat 'em ups. Now I think about it. Just <laughs> again, playing beat 'em ups by yourself. Yeah, I could understand that. Where are the other 3 Ninja Turtles? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm getting my butt kicked here. I could I could use, you know, Donatello. So okay, so I got I have to ask, which turtle would you pick as your your character? Raphael. Yeah, I could see that. Uh as a kid it was it was always Michelangelo, but now it's Donatello. Yeah, everybody liked Michelangelo as a kid because he was just take the party on, dude. You know, and everybody yeah. was about that, but Especially in the '80s when they were first coming out, but I, I've noticed that when yeah. people when people grow up into adulthood, the majority of people's Ninja Turtle preferences, well, if they have a Ninja Turtle preference, I should say, because <laughs> I mean, the, the majority of people who grow up grow out of that and be like, I don't know, I don't remember that. Uh, <laughs> but but for those weirdos like us who uh, right. who uh, grow up and they're they're still into that, uh, you know, they very few of them stick with Michelangelo after the fact because he's not a smart guy. No, no, he's, he's very irresponsible, gets in a lot of trouble and I don't need that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've always had issues with Leonardo because, you know, he's just too stick in the mud, you know, and mm-hmm. has to have it his way. And I knew too many people like that growing up and 
Donatello, there was just something about that personality of always, always going to my own knowledge, you know, going to the book smarts and well, actually, and that drove me <laughs> nuts. So you know, that left me with Raphael, who was a little bit more intuitive, had a little bit mm-hmm. more of an attitude, a little bit more of a standoffish kind of guy. And then I, I'm, I'm starting to realize this says a lot about me as a person too, and I don't want to have this <laughs> conversation. So. I, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, <laughs> I feel like that I kind of am Donatello, like in some in some cases, not in all cases. But, right. you know, if you're sitting down and you're watching a movie with me, you know, and you're like, hey, isn't that person from this movie or this TV show? And I'm like, no, actually, let me, <laughs> let me consult my internal IMDb. And it's actually this person from this. And did you know this fact? Like, that's that's me. How did you but, not end up on the bottom shelf? I, I that just seems like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'll I'll be the replacement if somebody gets ejected. Wow. So, who knows? But um just so everybody knows, we we have not figured out exactly what the format of this show is. So, it's going to be a lot of this casual talking about stuff, but I do have a question that might be something that we keep going. All right. Um what are you playing right now? Vampire. Okay. That's V A M P Y R. All right. Uh, uh, I have to do that because then people are be like vampire, the masquerade. And I'll be like, no, <laughs> right. Uh, this was a PS4 game. It takes place in like 1918, somewhere around there uh, during the first world war um, in London, England. And you are a vampire. You're a doctor and you're a vampire and you're trying to figure out, a certain thing that's going on, which I, I don't want to spoil it because it's just not it, you're a vampire and you and there, <laughs> there's a, there's a good and bad brand, good and bad, bad things you can do in there. You know, basically, are you going to kill this NPC or not kill this NPC? And that's going to have mm-hmm. ramifications on the story going forward because every NPC is a reoccurring NPC. There you go. I started playing that. Guess what? I didn't finish it. Uh, Shocker. I know. I know. Well, like I have I have my office and I have my PlayStation in here right now, but I don't really have time to play up here in my office. And that would not be a game I can play uh, with my kids running around. But um, I did start playing it and I did enjoy it. Um, I, on the other hand, am currently playing uh I don't know. Pick a system, John. Um, PC or Xbox or Switch. Uh, let's do all three. Let's start with PC. Okay. <laughs> because I am currently just dabbling in a bunch of games. Um, on PC, I am playing a game called Graveyard Keeper, which uh, it's a little macabre, and I love it. Uh, I didn't expect to, but it's kind of one of those like kind of think Stardew Valley, kind of a survival crafting kind of thing, except you have like. 400 different tasks you're working on all at once. General concept is uh, you possibly maybe haven't been this far in the game to find out the answer, but potentially I in the modern world got hit by a car. I died. And then instead of going to heaven or hell, I assume I'm in limbo and I am in charge of a graveyard and a church and a bunch of other things. And it's just it's kind of one of those cool games I can dig into uh, because I love crafting and and 
things like that. Um, it's available on Switch and maybe some other platforms as well. Uh, let's see. On Xbox, I have been playing House Flipper uh, because it is new on Game Pass, and it's exactly what it sounds like. You repair houses. I'm I'm having a lot of fun. You don't seem very enthused about at least that game, John. I you know. I, I'm picking up on a lot of working Sims and it's just like, bro, I don't like to work when I'm getting paid for it. I'm not going to pay somebody else to let me work some more. <laughs> there is something relaxing about house flipper tearing down walls. You're repainting rooms, installing radiators in every single room because it was developed by some European developer. And, uh, and that, and that's just it. If that, if that's someone else's jam, that's cool. Just, <laughs> it's not my thing i'm not i'm not into like chill games for the most part like recently one of the big games that swept across a lot of the geek community has been uh animal crossing new horizon Mm -hmm. and it's not my bag i don't come to games (laughs) i don't i don't come to games to chill out i come to games because i need an adventure i need some escapism it's just like take me to another land and paint me (laughs) pictures with your imagination yeah yeah i get that uh then on the switch i have been really on a pokemon kick i i don't know why i i was into the card game as a kid i'm not really even playing the game just simply trading cards with people Mm. um we're talking like gen one pokemon i was super into it and then my oldest daughter got well actually we bought Pokemon Sword and Shield for both of our girls so they can mm-hmm. play together. And within like a week, I I beat Pokemon Sword. And now I'm like working on a different Pokemon game. I think it's I think it's Let's Go Pikachu. So I don't know. I'm on a Pokemon kick right now. Would you believe that I've never played a Pokemon game ever? I actually I, I would, although it would kind of surprise me considering, I guess, technically that's an RPG you know, of some I- sort. I, like I, 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 you could say I'm Pokemon curious, mm-hmm. but I, the thing about it is there is so much lore that comes with the Pokemon games at this point where it's just like, mm. I mean, yeah, I, here's here would be my advice to anybody who is interested in playing Pokemon like you, because for me, I was in that very same place where I was like, where do I start? Like where we first games came back in like like 96 i think Mm -hmm. 96 or 97 so like we're looking at a you know 25 years ago like that's that's a actually longer than that right and it doesn't matter um but just find a game that like i would look at the starters because that's kind of how a pokemon game works you get three starters to choose from pick a starter that you think is cool and just start with that game like don't even worry about the lore because far as i know they're not connected like you can trade pokemon from game to game but mm. other than that just if you find one you know like do you still have your your 3ds or whatever mm-hmm. it was that you had mm-hmm. yeah i've there are multiple pokemon games for the ds line black and white so yeah that's that's what i would do is just if you can find one of those games because you don't have a switch right no okay yeah, I would just find one of those games like they're I think they're reasonably priced like they're going up 
the older they get. But yeah, I would just find one of those and, you know, Google whatever the starters are. And if you're like, hey, I like that fire type one, start there. Hmm. It's a thought. I, I know I can't download them anymore because they shut down the uh, DS store. But right. I, that's something I've never quite understood. It's just like, yes, let's shut down a <laughs> means of commerce. Yeah. But it is what it is. Uh, let's let being as we're talking about uh, history and stuff like that. Um, let's go back to the era of game genies for a second. Yeah. You you want to talk about a uh, part of the video game industry that was short lived for just in their moment. Um, did did you ever play on a game genie or a game shark as as it uh, was a uh, that was the other brand that you could throw out there yeah um i've i had an aunt that had a game genie i think i bought a game shark for one system or another and i think there's another one action replay i think was the other one Mm -hmm. that were kind of the thing but yeah oh man i played contra with like all cheats on because i'm terrible at contra for nes (laughs) i i can't think of anybody who i would say is good at contra you could i mean if anybody gets on you for using a game genie for contra i would just be like did you use the up up down down thing before you played did you use the konami code because then you cheated too i don't care right or yeah um so i i I fault nobody for cheating at contra but um like okay so how how do you how do you explain one how do you explain the game genie to the younger audience out there and two, how do you explain why it was like such a big deal back? Oh, man. I mean, to explain the game, Genie, like you have to have a basic understanding of the lineage of video games. So like if you look at your, you know, your NES, all games were cartridges, you know, plastic with a circuit board stuck inside of them. You jammed it down into a, a console. That's how you played your game. The Game Genie was kind of an in between where you plugged game genie in then you plugged in your your cart your cartridge and when you turned it on there was a menu that you got to flip on different codes that were available and they would be different cheats like you know infinite lives or i don't know that was Take kind of no the damage big one. right right you'd be invincible yeah stuff stuff like that or maybe you could even unlock like i think a big thing with mario was um like they had like the warp zone pipes but I think there was like a, a stage or world select in the game genie that you could just fire it up and okay, well I died on world nine. I didn't beat the game, so I'm just gonna start there. Yeah. Yeah. Cheat code. Which is like I don't even know that they exist outside of like having like a you know, super ramped up PC and you've downloaded software to be good at Call of Duty. I think that's the only cheating that exists anymore and it's illegal. Mm-hmm. So but that that leaves the second half of the question though for so like why would why was cheating like buying these buying these uh peripherals that were basically cheated the game for you and and took you out of the enjoyment of the game just to uh you know as, as some people would put it uh just to uh you know it basically was like cheating yourself essentially why were they such a big thing at the peak why do you, what do you think Video games were hardback. Yes, that is the correct <laughs> answer. Yeah, it wasn't just Contra. Like, 
They were like, I mean, for as simple as they were designed in or or looked, I guess I, I could say, you know, when you're looking at those eras of, you know, 8-bit and 16-bit games, those were like looking at them now, they look cheap or they look, you know, like weenie games, mm-hmm. but they're not like they're incredibly difficult. They're tough and, as nails, bro. And and OK, so like saves didn't exist they would like flash up a code that was like 16 digits depending on what era like your your nes era um like they'd flash like a 16 digit code and like there are people that still to this day have their nes notebook full of like you know these 16 digits take you to this save point in this particular game and i think with the development of like game genie and things like that it could be used as a cheat or it could be used as kind of a save point, so to speak, because um, just to get really geeky, if I can, the way that those cartridges worked is um, the only way they could save is if there was like a little basically battery. a coin battery mm-hmm. in the cartridge. And if it didn't have that, you couldn't actually save the game. Uh, and that that was the other revolutionary thing about the original Legend of Zelda cartridge is it it was the first one to incorporate that battery to to maintain mm-hmm. its memory on their four saves, uh, which you know I grew up t- I grew up uh, taking for granted because I remember the first time I played uh, first time I played Resident Evil on a PlayStation my my buddy it was the first time I ever played a PS one first of all mm-hmm. and my buddy had rented it rented the console from the local video store and he had rented resident evil and uh we got to the typewriter and it says please insert memory card I'm like where do you find the memory card in the game right <laughs> it's right. just like it's just like what do you mean memory card and then i you know after the fact I'm like, oh you have to buy separate pieces of memory yeah. because yeah. you can't save to a disc and but of course you know at the time i think i was like 11 or 12 and it was just like yeah i'm an idiot (laughs) no i i mean looking at it now you could say that but like it's amazing how much gaming has changed over you know just say 30 years i mean 10 years even Mm -hmm. you know like what 10 years ago is 2012 i mean you're still at that point we're on what ps3 xbox 360 yeah and like those consoles like those those seem so aged like i have a 360 and i actually found one of the controllers the other day and i was like this controller feels so weird um just compared to my my series s controller or even my ps4 controller like just feels weird they feel weird to me anyway i i've always had an issue with the xbox controllers and i'm talking about beyond just the duke oh yeah but I, uh, this, the staggered analog sticks just doesn't feel right to me. And I, th- I think it's because when I made my jump to the 32 bit systems, it was a, I started out with a PS, uh, a PS one with the mm-hmm. dual analog sticks. And of course I'm so used to them being parallel to each other. That yeah. Anytime I try to play with a Xbox controller, uh, on anything, a PC or an <laughs> Xbox, it's just, mm, don't like it. Nothing's where it should be. Yeah, I I can understand that. Um, I mean, having, I mean, I've got a PS4, but having a um my Xbox and my Switch, that's actually the 
the weirdest thing because they do have the the stand the staggered analog sticks, but the A and B are switched. Mm-hmm. So if I play my Xbox for too long and then go to my Switch, then I'm backing out of stuff or I'm accepting stuff, and then it's vice versa if I'm on the other side. Right, right. Uh, we're 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 old. We are old, especially when you start thinking about all the different consoles that you played through. Yeah. Like, well, the fact that you were just like, you know, my friend rented it from the video store. <laughs> hey, I am forever <laughs> a video store kid fiend. I think it's the biggest reason why I'm such a fanboy for the Boomstick Video podcast. It's just because, you know, that's all about the video store lifestyle. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I do like, man, I, I think... Uh, the first few episodes of the show are going to be us reliving a little yep. bit of our history, you know, because I, I don't really, I don't talk video games with too many people. So uh, we'll probably just kind of let loose, but um, let it go where it goes, man. That's where the conversations are. That's where the best conversations happen. I'm, I'm very anti-scripting when it comes to uh, oh yeah, podcasting for sure. Um, yeah. And as Dave said, we're still kind of, feeling our way through the format of this. I'm sure at some point we'll have a bumper for this next segment, but for right now. So uh, what we're going to do is we have asked some questions from the community for our uh, ask a DM segment coming up, but first let's go ahead and uh, have a commercial for our culture box network that I guess geek devotions is a part of comp talk is a part of. I never, I never I, I have the hardest time remembering to put in commercials. So Dallas and Celeste will be super excited that I remembered on this episode. So we'll see you on the other side of the, uh, on the other side of the commercial. All right, and welcome back to uh, Casual Gamer Society. I want to encourage you to go out there and totally support that. We are really into whatever commercial that was, and we hope you will be too. (laughs) So uh, uh, without further ado, uh, we have several questions that... uh, for our ask a DM section. If you would, if you have a question for our ask a DM section to add to our list of questions, uh, feel free to uh, hit us up on either the uh, discord or the geek devotions, Facebook uh, group, and you could have your question read on here. Uh, and we are going to, uh, I don't know, interact with you. And somehow we haven't quite figured this out. Um, so how many questions do you want to do, Dave? Because we've got lots. Let's let's do two. Let's let's start that way. We'll soft, start out soft. Oh, uh, 
we can say it soft, but I, I have the ultimate, <laughs> I have the ultimate question you would expect to hear on this podcast when it comes to D and D, uh, <clears throat> coming from Michael Staniland. Uh, how do you respond when other Christians say that D and D is evil? Boy, that's a good one. I mean, we, <laughs> We've talked, uh, we talked about this on one of the last episodes of geek. This we've talked yeah. about it on playing games with strangers a little bit. Yeah, we did an, uh, um, an AMA and ask me anything for our other show playing games with strangers. And we both grew up kind of in the era of satanic panic yeah, kind of thing. And we're, we're far removed from that now. I think, uh, obviously, we've been playing D&D as a podcast for two years now. So, I guess for three? Well, three years. I guess two for me. I'm coming up on my, my two-year okay. playing games anniversary. Uh, I guess for me, I'm not going to be a person that's going to fight about it. Um, if somebody thinks that playing D&D is evil, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and just be like, well, why? I want to get their opinion because, uh, you know, they may have those preconceived notions that we had when when we were kid, or that our parents had when we were kids. That's kind of my first. Um, that's the first thing that I will always do if somebody is uh, very adamantly against something that I'm doing is like, OK, well, what's your opinion on it? And let's have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. um, that that's that's going to be my go to. Uh, for me, when someone tells me that D and D is evil, my my fir the first thing I think that's going to end up coming out of my mouth would probably be, okay, give me some non anecdotal evidence. You know, get you know, give me a reason outside of someone told you it was, or you heard that something. It's just like, t let's take it to the source books. I'll pull out my D and D source books. You know, point to the section that that says that this is demonic. Right. Um, and I've I found all, in a lot of cases that the people who still adhere to the D&D &D is evil idea are the people who don't really know anything about the game. And they're just hanging on to a concept that they've either had beaten into them when they were kids during the 1980s satanic panic or, you know, it just it, it, it's a default stance for them um, because what people don't realize is that Dungeons and Dragons, like it's just, it's just like if you were to sit down and watch grade schoolers quote play with their toys, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's just the only difference is that you throw some math and dice in there. So you don't know exactly how certain situations are going to go. You throw the dice to determine how things go and you have to react to a changing situation. It's all it's all the differences between your kids playing with your get your kids playing in D and D is you add math and dice, so it's just like if if you allow your children to play make believe with each other, you're basically letting them play D and D or tabletop yeah. role playing in general. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, all that said, not to say that a a, a tabletop role playing game like D and D. I mean, we've played Call of Cthulhu, which is a mm -hmm. much darker setting um those could be used in you know maybe a non-christian way i mean i don't know how you want to put that but sure like people are going to make of it what they make of it 
Mm-hmm. Um, I know for us at, at playing games, like it is, it's a way for us to tell stories and a way for us to, um, you know, experience, how do I want to say this? I had it, I had it perfectly phrased in my head, but it's, it's just a storytelling device for us. And it's an acting thing. You know, we're all actors, um, for, you know, voice actors to some degree. And it's also just hanging out with internet friends um and just having a good time i think i think sometimes you can get a little too um can i say legalistic you know where you're just a little too building the boundaries a little too firm uh and and you get very strict about what is and is not allowed um and that will you know that goes back to what john said and what i said is what is your reasoning for saying that D&D or tabletop role-playing games are evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, been doing it this long, and I don't know. I, I haven't noticed anything evil. I've never worshipped Satan. Right, right. <laughs> um, and and that, that goes as far as to say is I'm not trying to proselytize anybody with D&D. You know, if, if, if it's not your thing, that's fine. Yep. Um, you know, people are going to have convictions about things. And, and, and this is this this goes back to something that I've said for years is like there's a difference between commandments and convictions. Commandments are universal. Convictions are personal. And it's just like if you feel a conviction about playing D&D, great. Honor that conviction. You know, right. it, it, then that that then it is your method of serving God by not by abstaining from playing D&D that's fine but you can't you can't judge people based off of your own convictions either because i don't have a conviction about playing D. &D. yeah i have my reasonings and you can't go to scriptures where it says thou shalt not roll for (laughs) uh, thou shalt not roll to uh defeat thine ac you know or you know it it, it's just there it's not there um right you know and i mean that that kind of that that does tie in with like the video game portion of the show where you know like there are some games that you know you you may have convictions about you know maybe it's like well i don't play games where you shoot people you know but you know i've played games like that for many many years and it doesn't bother me but i know that it bothers my wife you know she doesn't watch me play games like that or you know so it's all kind of like you said, you know, conviction versus commandment. I like that analogy, by the way. I'm, I'm glad I could throw that in there for you. Then, <laughs> um, You know, what? I'm going to pull this one out because this is one of your relatives who submitted this question. Oh, no. <laughs> Amanda Clements writes in and asks, what do you do when your brain freezes main, uh, mid-session? As, as a DM? Uh, I mean, this is ask a DM. Well, I mean, you could answer it as a player. I mean, ask a DM is just what we name the session. That's true. This is as a player. This is just an excuse to talk about D&D on the show. <laughs> uh, we don't need an excuse. We could do it. Uh, yeah, I as a player, uh, John has experienced a lot of Dave freezing and taking way too long to come up with a decision. <laughs> uh, so I do. I just freeze. And it's just kind of that hold the finger up and not, not the finger, but my index finger, just like, hold on, I'm working on something. It's just taking a little bit for the squirrel to get the nut. Um, 
as a DM, I'm actually a little bit more on my toes and I can roll with it because I'm getting to make up the rules. Like there's nobody telling me I can't do it. So uh, like I've I've had those experiences where I'll have a player like throw like just this weird I'm going to do this thing. And I'm like, OK, all right, go ahead and do it now. Go ahead and roll a persuasion check. And, you know, that I think it's just easier as a DM to to get past that stuck point because there is nobody telling you, uh, well, you can't really do that. Well, actually, right. I hate that. Uh, they don't Donatello you. Um, <laughs> uh, for me as a player, when I, when I brain freeze, I take a step back because usually, because, because D and D is such a collaborative situation. I'll take a step, I'll take a step back from the center staging or whatever and just allow someone else to take control of the screen um you know and i'll I'll let the brain freeze happen in game i'll be like my character freezes up and just stares off into space and then you know i'll i'll listen to what everybody else does in the scene and that gives me a chance that gives me some buffer to work with the oh yeah i was gonna do this or it gives me something to go uh, another start start off point um, and I do something very similar when I'm DMing. If I if I if I run aground and I'm like I'm not sure where to go from here, um, I'll put it. I'll put my players in a situation where they have to RP with each other a little bit, and then I'll listen to what they're saying, and then I'll build what I'm what I'm going to do around what they say. Um, you know, again, just like letting them give me some bufferage to uh, figure out where we're going to go. And the funny thing is, is you'll if you if now that I've said that, if you listen to certain episodes of playing games with strangers, you you can hear me do that on the show a couple times. There's there's been a few times where we've left off some of our recording sessions and I'll have no idea where to go <laughs> after that session. Like decisions are made and it's just like, I don't know what to do with this. And I'll be like, uh, OK, you guys are in the yawning portal um around a table and after the last session trying to figure out where we're going to go going forward and that's literally me saying you guys got to tell me where we're going with this because i have no idea right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I yeah i can see that yeah my my <clears throat> players they're they're just kind of like you know okay so we're awake uh is there anybody around that i can talk to uh, yeah i guess um here's bob you know <laughs> And then they talk to Bob and I just I let him just kind of go and do uh, and, you know, the, the DM stuff. Yeah. Um, I, and, you know, I know we said two questions, but I'm going to throw this out there anyway, because I'm curious because you and I have very different DMing experiences because, you know, I DM on a podcast and you DM with mostly new people uh, yeah. at, to D&D. Uh, do you? First of all, do you know what the mass Matt Mercer effect is? Generally, uh, essentially thinking that you have to be very dramatic and animated and huge storytelling sections of your your game and meticulous prep. And you, you always right. have something prepared. And have you have you experienced the Matt Mercer effect with your at your table as far as? You know, people have those expectations of you and of Dungeons and Dragons. Luckily, 
my players have not really had those expectations. Um, I would say it's actually I'm actually kind of surprised like their their introduction to D&D was through playing games. Um, so they've okay. oh, they've used that as kind of what they look at. But oh, they're God, not you're getting the John Haru effect. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually kind of interesting. Like my players don't feel that way, but sometimes I feel that. Sometimes I feel like, okay, well, if I don't have, you know, 10 potential hooks ready, then everything is just going to go off the rails and, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to, to get where we need to go by when I think we need to get there. I can I can appreciate that perspective because I don't think I don't think I've ever really experienced the Mercer effect from our crew at playing games with strangers. Um, I, I've more kind of put myself, especially at the very beginning of the show. I think I've put myself in a situation in those situations where I have those expectations on myself. Like it's my responsibility to make sure everybody is having fun and our role playing and I have to have all these hooks and oh my God, I don't have a, I don't have a battle for today's episode. And what am I going to do about that? Right. And, and, and it's just like, I think I DMing became such a phenomenally more enjoyable thing for me when I just let that go. Yeah. Um, and fell back on my, uh, four years that I, of, uh, theater that I took in high school and just, Learn to learn to go with the flow. Learn to learn to flow with the story rather than trying to have everything prepared. I mean, granted, yes, there'll be moments where I don't have maps ready for what people want to do, and that's that's okay. I mean, because yeah. when you're in a podcast, you can edit the setup <laughs> out, and right. we have done that before. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, and it's just like yes, you as as a part of the DM player contract it is your responsibility to make sure everybody at the at the table is having fun but everybody includes yourself as well so yeah absolutely um, i i i i will say i'm a little bit uncomfortable now knowing that playing games with strangers was everybody at your table's first experience with dnd that makes me feel a little bit weird but why i don't know i don't <laughs> no i i think honestly i think and I know that I'm biased because I'm a very integral part of the show. Like I I've edited a lot of the show over the last couple of years. Um, and I am a player, but I think we have a really good show on our hands and, um, you know, just talking to my players who are all family, like they're very curious about, you know, they understand it. Like we're creating a podcast and that our home game is different. So they're always asking, like, they ask those behind the scenes questions, you know, like, so you guys like now, Amanda, of course, like she watches this live, so she gets to hear all of it. But I do get those questions of like, you know, have you guys ever had to like, you know, go back and like redo a scene or something like that? Maybe once. Not very often, though. I don't think we've ever done that. It's just like because it's hard to catch that moment again because yeah, you, there's a certain thing to be said about having to process those yeah. feelings and act through them at the same time. So yeah. and I, I think I, I think their experience being playing games versus something like that's high production like Critical Role, mm -hmm. um, 
I think they had a really good expectation of just going with this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they weren't really worried about the theatrics or even role playing necessarily, which is weird because that's a big thing of what our show is. Um, And this is kind of becoming a like a a backdoor advertisement for that show. This show is brought to you by playing games with strangers. Check us out every other Friday night. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't think you have anything to worry about. I'll, I, I would I say it's, it's, it's just the imposter syndrome. That's all it is. You're great at what you do. Stop it. It's true. Stop it. We're, we're, we're done here. <laughs> all right. So if you have, if you have any questions for ask a DM again, hit us up on the, uh, geek devotions, Facebook group or discord or wherever you can find us to ask us questions. I'm sure we'll have an email for you to send them to in coming weeks. Um, Dave, where can you be found on the interwebs other than playing games with strangers? Cause we've just spent the last five minutes talking about that. Yeah. Uh, one of the best ways to get in touch with me, if you want to chit chat, go over and jump on the trash fire. That is Twitter. I am <laughs> at Mr. Dave Clemens, just M R D A V E C L E M E N T S. And, uh, you know that I like chatting with people that are nice over there, but and then I, I I'm going to become more involved in the Geek Devotions Discord because I got a show there now. Hey, uh, you can find me uh, as Nick Foster in uh, Supersonic Pod Comics. Uh, you can also find me in my band Mezzanine on Facebook. The Bottom Shelf is another podcast I do. I could run down a whole list of this, but I'm not gonna. Um, So uh, we hope that you've liked our inaugural episode. I promise we'll clean it up in future episodes. But (laughs) overall, I think as a first episode, I'm I'm pretty happy for a first episode with what we've put out here. So John and I just have to get used to the one on one conversations because normally there's like five other people in the digital room. This is true. Um, (laughs) And if you've got ideas that you want us to talk about for upcoming episodes. Also drop those on us as well. Cause right now we're flying by the seat of our pants. So until next time, stay devoted. Peace and love.